Jotunheim, the heart of the network of the gods, miles of bone, sinew, and synapse. It's time to tear it all down. Ragnarok is coming, and it's you. We have all kinds of options as to what we pick up with here post that scene. After we have the, the sword of tear, we've already won and that's it. I I, I love it. <laughs> yeah, we're going to go celebrate. So cut to us sitting in front of a portrait artist as we're getting our poster done. Yes! <laughs> podcast podcast so, over. I'll see y'all uh, for season two. <laughs> y'all, we had some close calls, gang. Ronnie is switching between headbands like this one or this one. Does this one look better? boy that was fun and then the rest of the podcast is just like a variety style clip show of us remembering things that happened along the way oh my god (laughs) yeah remember when we fought those enemies yeah they were tough but also just like other chapters of our life remember when we opened the ice cream shop that was fun (laughs) (laughs) oh my god remember when we were co-mayors of puppet strings that was the best we made the worst choices for our city Ice cream stores on every corner. Nobody needs that much ice cream. All right. So where where do we want to pick up? Yeah, where where do we want to pick up? What do we want to focus on? Yeah, I have a couple immediate thoughts. I think that it would I I don't have a particularly vested interest in playing out the rest of this scene chronologically. I don't know about you guys. I thought that was a cool button. I think it would be cool to either pick up with our core cast like post meeting processing things in some different location. Or to pick up with our, like, Burnt Umber crew characters after those guys have departed, having a conversation about, like, the grimmer realities of what we're asking them to do. Or, like, make some new folks and just, like, do something else. Uh, I think I think giving some space between us hearing all of that and our, our the, the, the Puppet Strings 3 kind of, like, unpacking that, like, mm-hmm. I think giving us some space is a good call. So I'm I, I'm pro either the burnt umber crew talking through it, or if we want to make new characters, I think I think actually showing some of this this infiltration would be really fun and would give us a chance to roll some dice in a high stress scenario. Oh, that would be fun. Let's yeah. do that. Maybe let's let's play some um of like the infiltrators or the replacements inside the Panopticon because that'll also let us like familiarize ourselves with the Panopticon and see that for the first time. Mm-hmm. Because that's our access. So that'll tell that story. Yeah, I, I, let's make the crew that's going to take down the Hand of Tear. Oh, sweet. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah. Don't know if we'll, I mean, heck, we might take down the Hand of Tear today. We'll find out. Hey. All right. So let's keep it to four since there are four of us. We'll each make one. And if we want to give input on others' details, of course, we're, we're welcome to. And because all of these are, Rebels, they do get warrior clans as well. I came up with a phrase for how to decide if a character gets a clan or a bl- or just a blurb if they're like part of the opposition. And it is collaborators get clans. That's good. That's real good. I like that. That's good. Oh, cool. What are you guys thinking? I what I would love to do. I'm going to do something very specific here. I would I, I would love to interpret one of the characters that we played for the Iron Edda Accelerated, the Party of One episodes. All right. 
Oh, right on. I think that'll be a cool. Ooh. I think that I just I it won't it won't impact the game at all, and there'll be functionally a new character. But like, I think that's a like a cool Easter egg, and b like just a cool opportunity to be like, hey, this is you know if we're mm-hmm. if we're telling if we're telling stories across worlds, it's a cool opportunity to be like, let's check in with what this what this character might look like in a new place. Uh huh. Yeah, I'm. I'm completely down for that. I'm going to wait and see who everybody else is playing because I kind of want to, but I've got two options. Yeah, I'm trying to decide here. Tell us about your bone bonded, Tracy. I'm trying to figure out group composition. All right. So name is going to be Magnus Grimm. Nice. And first detail, the 10 point detail is going to be just try and stop me. The five point is or seven point is going to be laughing in the face of danger i'm 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 aiming to make just like a real uh-huh. tough battle boy mm-hmm. right like mm-hmm. and detail three is let's see oh yeah can't stop won't stop love it <laughs> classic for gear this is going to be the same for for all of us to start off with is that we're all going to be wearing stolen rpb armor body armor so that's that's gear one for all of these and then i've got svulking the bane blade is my second piece of gear and my third piece of gear is going to be because i want to i you don't have to have them all filled out but i want to have all three of mine filled Mm -hmm. third one is going to be a multi-use data spike oh that rules yeah and my gender is an ancient blade good gender good gender thanks (laughs) great gender king (laughs) (laughs) let's see what are we doing here we need infiltrators and fighty boys so then if Mm -hmm. everybody wants to make uh then i know the character that i want to make i'm gonna take this from the other no i'm gonna i'm gonna gonna make a big fighty boy i want to be a big you're gonna make a big fighty boy okay i think i might be a sparrow or a raven Ooh, raven raven would be dope for infiltration i either want to do some like really weird magic or to be like you know, the smooth talker who's getting us through. But that's the kind of character I always play, so I'll do a raven. Mm. Okay. I'm bumping up between two. I actually, you know what I think our group fundamentally needs that I'm going to play? I'm going to adapt the character I played on Party of One. Mm. I'm going to play the hammer. Nice, yeah. I love the idea that, like, Mm -hmm. if we are all, if if we've got, like, fighty and sneaky, and and I I think what the group really could use that I think would be great is like the person care is the per is like the the actual gear manager you know what i mean like the 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 brains mm-hmm. the brains that's like here's oh, the totally. actual like weapons that we're gonna that we're gonna use the the equipment the the, the cyberpunk equipment manager vitally important i like that i'm going for the smooth talker i've got nidhog who's serpentine is their gender they're very like love that oh, <laughs> slippery <laughs> so what 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 can be gear like if I wanted to, if I wanted to make a large unmarked van gear, does that count as gear? Hundred percent done. Nice gear is all contextually appropriate, right? If if it is something that would be like beyond the realm of reasonability for these characters, right? Then you would have to spend a control point for it. But we are all like high class, high skill like operatives, right? This is what we do. So we all have things that are appropriate for own characters kind of milieu because we each start with three control points okay that's an interesting question though 
we may need to consider at some point in time are control points by character or by player Ooh. right does the player get three control points or does every character get three control points I like the idea of player because that way they're more... Yeah, I mm-hmm. think player because I think they should go from character to character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would encourage taking failure to get control points much more actively. So, cool. Then there go Roy's control points. You don't have any control points. You don't have any control points. <laughs> <laughs> we, each, we each have three because none of us suspend any of them still, but... Yeah. All right, I, am, I, have, I have made my character. I'm ready. There it is. I've added the important detail. <laughs> Gender sick as hell. Sick as hell. <laughs> I had to, had to add in that, that very crucial detail of italicizing hell. Also, y'all might find this enjoyable. I am relatively certain that I'm going to just blanket say that every character in Ironetta Reforged can be addressed by any pronouns at all. I mean, I love yes. it. That's, we've sort of been playing by those rules so far, and it does kind yeah. of rule a lot. It does. It does. It does rip. It's a very fun world for me to inhabit. Yeah. If someone wants to stick with one set of pronouns, they're more than welcome to, right? There's no pre- prescription saying you mm-hmm. ha- you can't do that. Mm-hmm. But I, re- I really just like the idea that you can just use whatever because genders are literally how the world views you. And so it's 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 very much tied to and it, it, it ties into the idea of like, like you said, like it's it's if, if if one set of pronouns fits me like that's so like that's that's how it is. And I uh, that makes me happy. Yes. Okay, so we will need to enter these characters for the listening audience, and then we will need to make some details about this entire thing. The last one itself being the Hand of Tear. So what we'll do is we'll make some details about the space that we're trying to get into. I think we're already in the Panopticon. Like I think we were part of that initial replacement group, and now we've broken off to actually do the thing. Post prison break. Perfect. So we'll need to to make some details about where we are and where we need to get to, and then we'll need to make the hand of tear at some point in time. Yeah. Just like a character. Yeah. But for now, let us introduce these operatives who are in the Panopticon, ready to execute this portion of the plan post prison break. B, why don't you kick us off? All right. So Introduced first, wearing the um, outfit of a, a guard. Well, I like to imagine their color palette is pretty drab, like grays and blacks, things you can kind of easily hide wounds behind. A nice badge on their chest that has been scratched out, so you can't see what the name says anymore. But this is Nidhogg. They're the planet of the snake. They don't really believe in morals. They live by the truth that lying is often louder than actions, and he is as slippery as a snake. On their persons, she carries a, you know, the stolen RPP armor, some poisonous nanobots, as you do. I like to imagine they're carried in, like, on, like, around, like, his belt. He's got these boxes, and um, they have, like, a little button you can press and, like, program where they're supposed to go to. Or, because this is an explosive team... You could also probably just throw the nanobots and they would erupt in a cloud, poisoning anything in the vicinity. And then last but not least, strapped to their back is the biggest sniper you've ever seen. The rounds for this gun are exploding rounds. So they have like that bandolier of these bullets that are like the size of a hu- like a, an adult man's hand. Like the barrel for this gun is just outrageous. It's like a sniper meet rocket launcher. And I don't know how you can marry those two. But in this world, that's what Nidhogg is wearing. I love it so much. I'm all about it. I'm hyped for it. 
Ah, uh, yes. Sigrun. So Sigrun Hammer, she is of she's Sigrun Hammer of the clan Hammer. <laughs> My specialty is I make things that go boom. It is uh it is uh yes. you know, every every everybody needs someone that, that makes things that go boom, and frankly, when you love your job, you don't work a day in your life. <laughs> the only one of us that's really beating capitalism is Sigrid Hammer. <laughs> right? Oh my goodness. This is Praxis. Blow it up. <laughs> Absolutely. I think a lot of the gear that we have, if I can throw out the detail, is stuff that Sigrun has made, which, considering that a lot of it is very extra, like, when you, like, as we introduce things, I think we'll find out that a lot of our stuff is extra, and I think Sigrun has made, has hand-built a lot of this, and, like, retweaked existing things to make them more extra because she has the belief that what good are toys if they're not fun so she has a certain element of <laughs> like super uh, not quite super villainous flair but that kind of sense that like there's a thing that i love in sort of superhero and superhero adjacent fiction that i think is true of this character even though this is not that world which is like i could go smaller with this but I but I'm making it this way because it brings me joy to see it as over the top. So these things are kind of over the top by design and we kind of know they're over the top by design because I've built them that way. And I, I believe that I, I am of the belief that the shortest path between two points is blowing down the damn door. I am driving us in a large unmarked van, sitting in the middle of that van alongside various like work benches and computers and like screens and like a sort of mobile workshop is the Destroyer, which is similar to B Sniper Rifle, just an insultingly large minigun. Just insultingly large and ostentatious. <laughs> mm-hmm. Anybody that looks at it is offended. Yeah, you're like, what? Come on. Really? That's what you're bringing in? <laughs> we look like very normal guards. We're doing a great job. Haha. <laughs> I, I, I am loving the idea that we somehow smuggled all of this shit in with us. <laughs> It's all collapsible. Don't worry about I it. I think I think what it <laughs> is, true. if I can throw in a detail and actually ground how we're getting this in, is like because I have this van, like this, all of the like larger than life gear is like crammed into this van as we're kind of like moving the van into the parking garage because like that was kind of the 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 material goal, right? Was like moving these things into this mm -hmm. place, and so it's like I got this big, I got this big van. And these are the things that we're going to need to take down the hand of, of Tyr. So we're just like, load up the van and, and smuggle them inside. Fantastic. Alex? Yeah, so I am playing Siv, who is the Raven, which is cool. It's a playbook we haven't played with yet. And it's the, I mean, I think you did in the in the side story, but mm -hmm. I'm a rune mage, essentially. So I work in runic magic. The raven is described as the far eyes, the nimble fingers, and that's definitely what Civ is. So my details are in order. Uh, one, no idle hands, just play things. I think that like everything in Civ's surroundings is an opportunity to be explored, and he's rarely ever not like speaking with her hands or or interacting with surroundings. Detail two is only my secrets stay secret, and detail three mm. is not over till it's over. So on my person, I have. The stolen armor that we're all wearing. I have a pocket laser pointer, which I'm envisioning as like probably adjustable in intensity between like being a harmless laser pointer and being like a, a pen laser, like something that can actually like penetrate through certain materials and surfaces or whatever. And then my last thing that I'm carrying with me is an extremely potent adhesive that I can use to, you know, like stick explosives somewhere that they go or like scribble a rune and like place it on something. But I think I'm just always with this capability to interact with my environment in a way where I'm leaving things that need to be left somewhere or, or grabbing things that need to be grabbed. 
I'm just, my hands are always active and always dangerous. So the gender that I assigned for Civ is fiber optics in a dark room. And I don't really know what that mm. means, but it feels oh right. Mm-hmm. And the last detail that I have about this character that I want to make like very clear, because I just have this very strong image in my head, is that Civ is always wearing fingerless gloves. And something that's interesting is that Civ doesn't have fingerprints. Mm. They've been removed by Ooh. whatever necessary means. But what Civ has instead is runes on each fingertip and each fingertip has like a dedicated rune so i can like very quickly they're like you know they're they're keybinds essentially i can very quickly interact with certain runes and like cast certain low level spells or combine them in certain ways just by interfacing with my environment in that way i have certain runes like programmed and ready to go at my fingertips literally can i can i pitch you something alex yeah do you want to spend a control point and make that a fourth piece of gear sure yeah, I'll do that. Cool. Because whenever a piece of gear helps you, you add a die to your die pool. Oh, right. I'm never thinking about mechanics, no matter what game I'm playing. <laughs> so I'm <laughs> glad that you're here. I'm always just like, wouldn't that be cool? It's kind of my job to think about the mechanics in this context, so. Fair. Admittedly, yes. I mean, it should be mine, too, but. <laughs> hey, you're doing fine. Oh, I should also add the gender that I, I, the gender, Sigrun's gender, the gender that I've written down is sick as hell, with hell italicized. Nice. Yeah, that's important. All right, and I'm playing Magnus Grimm, a bone bonded. Top detail is just try and stop me. Detail two is laughing in the face of danger. And detail three is can't stop, won't stop. I have the stolen RPB body armor. I have Svolking, the Bane Blade, which, much like the other weapons that have been described, is just offensively <laughs> large. It's kind of like a, 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 a Claymore style two handed yeah. sword, but it's about mm. eight feet long. That's outrageous. I'm so here for it. And then I have a multi-use data spike. My gender is an ancient blade, and my giant is named Grokund the Fell, whose details are, no chance that's what you've got, break the walls down, and let the bodies hit the floor. Uh, So all in all, just a crew of ass beaters we've got here. Really ready to mess some things up. So, montage style. We have the prison break happening. There's all kinds of, of things going on. There was a riot in the cafeteria. People are streaming everywhere. There's a laundry truck that is driving away. And we know meta-wise that it has escaped collaborators in it. While that is driving away, along with the reinforcements that were pulled from other parts of the city toward the Panopticon is this unmarked van. We get in, we unload, we're dressed like RPB, we're grabbing up our gear. And under the cover of the riots that are happening, we slip away, right? We find a place that we can hunker down and get prepped really quick, break break out our weapons, like uncollapse our collapsible, <laughs> offensively large <laughs> weapons, and prepare for this. So we have that quick gearing up montage. Just real quick, everyone, a detail about what it looks like as you're prepping. Hmm. Sigrin is, what it looks like as, as Sigrin is prepping is checking locks in the van like there are there are overhead compartments in the van like checking the floor panels double checking all of the locks and like padding little like hollow spots on the door and like confirming that all of these all of the like things in here all of the little pieces of gear and you know crafting pieces and like scrap metal and little tiny mini explosives are all tucked away nice and neat so that when she needs them later she can find them. awesome 
Siv goes to pull her long black hair up in a high ponytail and then does the sort of sweeping the fingertips under your eyes as if you would be applying like under eye blacks. But what it does is rather than leaving behind black, there's this brief trail of like technicolor beneath his fingertips before the marks fade away. And what you're left with instead is this sort of lenticular effect when you try to look at his face where you can't quite see the face that it is. It changes as, like, she moves her head from side to side. So it's impossible to, like, get her read on if you were trying to identify this person, like, whether by camera or just by by sight. There's sort of this quality to it that makes it impossible to really get a hold of. Nice. That's really cool. I think Nidhogg is probably checking the scope on their sniper to make sure, like, it's clean, it's set up properly, because, like, this is a cyber cyberpunk setting, so it's not just your traditional lens. It's got gauges, it's got different settings, so it's kind of like cranking a nozzle to figure out, like, will this work, will this work? And they're just, like, hyper-focused with, like, their dark skin pressed up against the lens. And Magnus is just, like, tightening straps and making sure the, the body armor is set and that the sword is set in its massive sheath. And then they do that big muscular person thing where they, like stretch roll their shoulders and like crack their neck and they like uh neo at the end of the first matrix movie where he like flexes in the hallway flexes except that it's the body armor itself and it is like impressions of bones expanding out from the body armor and you and you get the idea that if and when the time for groken the felt to show up happens it's going to be built of pieces of body armor Mm, that's sick that's sick oh so cool that's really cool. So we are secreted in a uh, a portion of the Panopticon. We are inside. Uh, we are past like the first realms of security. These are not like prisoner areas, right? The, it's not like we're not in Gen Pop. We're, we're past solitary, past Supermax. We are in the Panopticon itself, right? And we know that there is a path that we have to follow and things we have to bypass and overcome to get to the Hand of Tear itself, because that's what is guarding the heart. So we each have a detail. Each of these details are going to be things we have to get through, past, or around. And I am going to start off by saying an explosive laser grid. Oh, I love it. That's such a classic. Yeah, right? I put down heavily armed drones. I picture some some flying gun, gun-toting drones floating in the air. All I can think of, and this is so stupid, you know the scene in Galaxy Quest where they have to get through the chompers because there's oh, chompers yeah. in everything? Mm-hmm. That's like all oh that gosh. I can summon at the moment. Is like, what if there was a hallway with chompers in it? Chompers. I'm trying to think if there's anything that's more like... That's less just obstacle coursey that I can throw our way. Because I feel like we already have a few things that are going to be just like, you know, combat roll, combat roll, combat roll, or like, you know, navigate a physical scenario. I'm trying to think if there's like a stake I can give us that's a little bit more esoteric or a little bit less like physical, if that makes sense. I mean, there can definitely be like a battalion of guards, like people we have to work our way past and not necessarily kill them, but we have to talk our way through like a security checkpoint or... I kind of have a, a high level one that I think would be cool if I may throw out a throw out an idea and tell me. Yeah, what do you got? So this is in the midst. This is in the midst of, or the midst and immediate aftermath of this prison break. What if? What if a thing that we have to deal with is press coverage? I was kind of thinking along the same lines of not necessarily press coverage, and without knowing like what how exactly the side story ended. So Tracy, feel free to fill in the mm-hmm. details. If, if it would be something where like 
we know that some folks escaped. So there's like certain corridors have been locked down or made inaccessible to us. Or if like there are security patrols that are now like covering all the exits or what have you, something like that. Maybe. Yeah, I, I, I think there. So in addition to the increased like personnel security, I think the security systems of the Panopticon are back online. Right. Okay. So I, I think leaving that as like a blanket, if we need a wrinkle to throw into any of these scenarios, right, then that's like room to do that. So enhanced security measures, I think, would be a good way to cover that if that works for you. Yeah, totally. Okay, I should rethink mine then, because mine was basically enhanced security measures with like a high security uh, shield wall. I was thinking very Star Wars-esque. If it's a singular shield wall, if it's like the wall that protects the room where the Hand of Tear is, that's fine. I mean, that works perfectly. Yeah. Okay. Heck yeah. In a bit of quick playtesting design, I've put boxes below each of these. It occurred to me that there are probably narrative ways that these could all be handled. And as I was thinking about it, it didn't feel visceral enough to me. And so mm-hmm. I put these boxes that represent successful actions needed to to overcome the thing. Oh, okay. I love that. It, it seems like a reasonable kind of thing to do, given that even a success at a cost is going to leave you with narrative implications that you have to handle. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. All right. So that is everything that we have to overcome to get this taken care of. I am thinking that what would be interesting to do in this sort of GM-full way we are approaching this is for each of us to sort of take on the initial description of one of the things that we did not define to set the scene for the group approaching it, and then we can all chip in details and start taking actions and and go from there. Does that all, does that track for everybody? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Great. Who would like to go first? I'll take on the shield wall. Nice. Okay, I want the armed drones. Okay, I'll do the enhanced security measures, and that leaves Alex with the explosive laser grid. Cool. All right, fantastic. So I think that the enhanced security measures are kind of, they're like a pervasive thing as we're doing all of this. So as we're sort of in this 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 safe room, I think it's a, oh, it's like, a, I think it's a locker room, right? I think I think we found an old, like, actual place for gearing up that is not being used by anyone personnel wise because they've all been scrambled to to check various things around the panopticon but it's been locked down like the security clearance needed to get out has been massively enhanced we're effectively at this moment we're locked in and if we break out in the wrong way it's going to send off an alert right so we we need a way to open this door and begin our infiltration toward the hand of tear without setting without letting the entire place know that we're here oh but where's the fun in that the fun is that we get to actually make it now where's our slicer and we all sort of look at each other like <laughs> oh slicer do you do you do tech slicing do i do tech slicing i i think technically i do because i i'm a bone bonded yeah so i have Let's see, Ancient Flex, whenever you need to do, to do something with a network, take two of your die pool and set them to successes before your roll. Say hi, you're dry and ensure those successes. I could use Glitch in the network, but I think this is definitely going to be higher than difficulty three. Yeah. And I've got my multi-use data spike. So what do you all think the difficulty on this is going to be? For this first one, I don't think it's terribly high. I'm going to say maybe like four, five. Four or five? I was thinking like a five. I mean, I think it's hard, but also like... 
you know, we're the best at what we do. That's why we were hired to come do this. Yeah. Okay, cool. So I have 11 dice in my pool, 10 from Just Try and Stop Me. And then my multi-use data spike adds one in this case. I am using Ancient Flex. So I take two of them and set them to successes automatically. So I need to get three successes on nine dice. And I got two successes. Oof. Oh my goodness. I'm one shy. So I'm going to be taking success at a cost on this because I don't want to, I don't want to chance it. So I get a glitch die. Okay. Gosh, I I think the, the cost on it is that the next time I would need to use something with the network, I think my data spike, it got hard frozen and had to be rebooted. Yeah. Mm, Yeah. (laughs) I love that. And my giant is what like, Groken like worked its way into the the data spike and just overloaded it. And so the next time that I use it, it's just not available. Or if I or if I use it, it's going to take a die away from my pool. Love it. Cool. Works for me. Ooh. And then the next time I act, I have to roll a glitch die along with that. Uh let's see. Jam the data spike in. Twist it, chunk, pop. Okay. I think open the door and it is an empty hallway. Hold hold on no 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 children chill Did, it's, children I mean, children please it's it's an it's no, an empty no, hallway no children children please we we can let just ex- go let the no I I kind of crack my knuckles and I am uh, I am walking up to a keypad and going uh, there are no there are no empty hallways in the Panopticon I'm rolling to act on the laser grid I am I am rolling on this. What good are toys if they're not fun? As I'm kind of like, I'm kind of like grabbing it, like popping open a key panel and like hitting some things. And like, I kind of take a screwdriver mm-hmm. out of my pocket and kind of jam it in the side a little bit. I am, I am, I am using my, my at need ability of breakdown when I'm stripping something for parts, looking for the exact right component for my needs. I'm looking to like short wire a thing to expose the fact that I'm like 90% sure there's a laser grid in this room. I'm like, and I'm like tearing at this thing. Does that all? Does that all feel right? Yeah, that feels right. To, that works. Feels right to me. Yeah, I have a, I have a feeling about the laser grid or a thing that I think would be cool. So if you succeed on this, then I have some information to like reveal about it. I guess. Cool. What do we think the difficulty is here? Uh, I'm good to go up five or six. Let's make it a six. Let's put let's, let's put some stakes yeah. on this explosive laser grid. Okay, six successes. Six successes yeah. on ten dice. That feels that feels achievable. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Yeah, it's kind of scary. <laughs> that's not good what'd you get unless i'm mistaken i got two five fives and sixes oh no i got two <laughs> okay so options you have in front of you you can take the success at a cost which means you are going to end up with eight glitch dice for your next action you take oh my goodness or you can spend a control point declare a detail and re-roll those misses and if you get sixes on those re-rolls those explodes do you roll them again I am gonna I am gonna I am gonna declare a detail and a re-roll. So I'm gonna spend my control point. Alright, so what, what detail is helping you in this moment? Because right now your screwdriver is like slipping into a a part of this mechanism that you don't intend it to go. And I, I think there's like a live wire or something there that is going to absolutely shock the shit out of you. Oh yeah. The detail that I have is because I'm because I'm me, and frankly, if you're not having fun, you're not living. There is a tiny, like, capsule of explosive on the end of my screwdriver. Most of my tools have, like, what I call the kill switch, which is just, like, a little thing that, like, if I kind of tap the side and 
you see me, you're, you're all familiar with this at this point. Like it's, it's close and it's close. And I'm like, you know what? Back up. And like, I kind of hop, I do a little like bunny hop back and we all kind of know that routine. And I'm just trying to blow this, this entire thing up. I'm trying to blow this console up because I think I can, I can glitch it out to, to force the lasers. If I just, if this, if like, if there's a small burst, I think I can, I can brute force it. All right, cool. So you get to roll eight because those are your misses. All right. <laughs> that is five. So five total of six. You can drop another control point if you want to try and get that one that's left, or you can just take the success at a cost. I'm gonna take that one glitch die. I mean, and I think it makes. I think it tracks, right? Like it did. I did make a thing explode. Yes. Yeah. I have a move that I could offer to help, but I think that for the sake of this, this makes more yeah. sense. So, Okay, so that's that's a, a tick on explosive laser grid. It did work, Alex. So what's your information? So I'm thinking that part of what is so interesting about this laser grid is that it's not just a tool of security. It's a tool, a tool of surveillance, right? Because we're in the Panopticon Ooh. and Tyr is not just the god of law and order, but also... Well, I mean, not just law, but also order, right? And I'm picturing this as being kind of like a workplace that even for the people who are supposed to be here is kind of actively hostile. And I think that the laser grid is not like a thing in this hallway that keeps people from going down it. The laser grid is a series all throughout the building that is specifically designed to allow access to specific places only to certain people. And so whether that's based on like your security badge or like facial recognition or something, like each person who goes through this building has a different experience with the laser grid. You know, people who have high clearance can go down certain hallways. People who don't are not told there's a laser grid in those hallways. It's just you shouldn't go in those hallways. And if you go where you're not supposed to, we'll know. Mm-hmm. Up, up, up to and including explosions. <laughs> up to. Oh, yeah. No, uh-huh. like, instant death. Totally fine. We don't have a problem with that here. We'll find more people to work at Amazon. <laughs> I mean, the Panopticon. <laughs> we'll get Terry Crews to promo us and... <laughs> God. (laughs) So I think that what you're surprised to find is like you're expecting to explode this panel and like see lasers. And instead what happens is like you mess with this panel just enough and like what you suddenly get is an enormous readout of like access rosters. And it starts showing up like who is approved for this hallway. And I think that that gives you the information you need to sort of piece together like, oh, this is like whole building because it's saying like, you know, hallway XZ95 or something and not just like this is where the lasers go. (laughs) I think with that information, I want to try and reprogram the ID badges that are on our armor to to track like four high level security operatives mm-hmm. this is going to be I, I i i think this should be really challenging because this helps us yeah bypass the explosive laser grid pretty much uniformly right. and it also might take a tick off enhanced security measures depending on how successful this all is i'm willing to put this at an eight or not like at a, probably maybe like an eight. Oh my word yes i was gonna say seven or eight but yeah let's do eight let's do eight eight sounds good to me too i do have a glitch die on this so i've got to make sure to include that in my pool Okay. Can I help you out with one of my moves? Yes, you may. Because this feels like I would. I have a scene ability called Enchantment. Once per scene, I can emblazon a piece of gear with a rune. For the rest of that scene, that piece of gear acts with that rune's power. It provides three extra dice to the user's die pool rather than the usual one. So are you using gear for this or? I was not going to because there are ID badges. So the data spike wasn't really going to, right. to work. But that doesn't obviate your 
your power. Like it, what it would do is it would mean I can use the data spike, but it would be worth two dice instead of three because the data spike is a is a is a negative one right now. So, um, okay. So what do you do? What's the rune that you inscribe on the data spike? That's a great question. I'm thinking I'm looking for like there's an information rune, right? That rune is Eno. Yeah. So I'm looking at Eno, and I think that that's probably just the most straightforward. You know, no reason to overcomplicate this mm-hmm. one. I think we're looking for very targeted information and. So this is one of the runes that I absolutely like keep on deck. And so I think that you're getting ready to do this and I'm like, ah, 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 ah. and I reach over and take your data spike and I brush my fingers over it with sort of a flourish and it uh, leaves behind this glimmering trace for a moment of this, you know, rune, which is for information and, and, you know, revealing what we're specifically looking for. And I think there are some additional flourishes around it that, you would know from sort of working with Sib before that I can target specific information by, you know, changing the way that I inscribe the runes or the 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 methodology with which I write them or like different color codes or whatever. I have very elaborate language that I use to imbue these specific characters with more specificity. And that's what I'm doing in this case, you know, because we're working with an enormous realm of information that we're trying to tap into. Fantastic. And I think I'm I'm mm-hmm. staring over I stare over your shoulders. This happened with like a scowl on my face. Siv, let it be known. You are extremely cool. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I have twelve dice total from this then. My ancient flex still works, so I set two of those to successes, and I have a glitch die in my pool. So explain again what the glitch die does. So the glitch die. It is included in the die pool mm-hmm. whenever you have taken one. You have to include it in whatever your next roll is. So if a glitch die rolls a hit, a five or a six, then it, it provides a complication. Mm. Cool. One hit is a minor complication that affects you. Two hits is a minor complication for an ally. Then there's a standard complication, self or ally for three and four. Five is a major complication, any. And six or more hits is a devastating complication. Mm. And complications are all narratively based right so it would make sense that like if i get one hit on this it's a minor complication for me it would be like okay well this is great but my data spike shorted out right cool i have some complications in mind too that i think would be interesting so if you get one and and like major and devastating complications those can lead to character death right that's Mm -hmm. something so bad has happened so here we go six hits we're looking for and I got one, two, three, four hits. So I have a total of six. My glitch die hit a two. I'm going to spend a control point to try and re-roll the misses because I'm pretty close to being able to get this. So the detail that I'm going to declare is that my giant, Grokend, sees me like starting to fuck this up and... <laughs> I, their their detail, their high detail, no chance. That's what you've got. They absolutely take the reins away from me and start like running at this like a program and collating data and really making this a crisp fabrication. Uh-huh. Uh, so re-roll those six that I missed. Oh, that is four more hits. Two of those are sixes. I roll those again. A five, another six. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve hits total. Crushed it. Nice. Damn. That's right. <laughs> Magnus Grimm does not dab, though he wants to. Yeah. <laughs> Do you get bonuses for like rolling above the success that you needed? 
I did some bonuses in the side story because they were rolling so far above and beyond things. And that's why I, I cranked the difficulty up to to range up to 10. I don't necessarily think so. I mean, it would be a narrative bonus. And basically, I'm just going to say that these are not just perfect, right? But if you were to fabricate the IDs of different people, it would be very suspicious if those same four high-ranking people were all walking together through the same hallways, right? Right. So there is a subroutine in these high-ranking badges where you can escort someone of a lower mm. security clearance, mm -hmm. right? If you're with them, they can grant you. So what it, what yeah. it's going to be is that I think that the that that Grokend has like mapped out the network of this place in like that instant. And it is a rotating set of IDs. So it will look like different people with different subordinates following patterns that seem routine enough that it's not an issue. Love and it. since I needed, since I need an eight and I got a 12, if you all agree, I'm going to mark off the explosive laser grid because that seems like it's been handled. That feels right. Yeah. That sounds good for me. Yeah, one of the complications I was going to suggest would be like you pull such a high ranking number that like anybody would know that who that is and it's yeah, not you. It's it's tier. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you get tier's badge number. <laughs> oh shit! Oh dear. <laughs> but yeah, so I finished tinkering with the data spike and I like tap 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 all the all the badges and like it's like um those uh those random number badges right like every mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. often. It just flips digits and a different code nice. shows up. Yeah. I think we're good. I don't think this grid's going to be a problem at all. Let's move. Iron Edder Reforged is a production of the One Shot Podcast Network in conjunction with the other dev productions. Written and designed by Tracy Barnett. Performed by Alex Flanagan, B. Zelda, and Jeff Stormer. Edited by Jupiter Aquas. This session is where things really started to come together. Um, one of the things that we wanted to try and accomplish is to really see how this system works when like, there's real stakes, when there's a lot of action on the line. And this was the start of the realization that things work really, really well for the system when, when it's put to the task. The narrative held together, the system held together, the Wrecking Crew, as I'm calling them in my head, are going to be moving ahead to the next barrier, and I cannot wait for you to hear what happens when they get to the Heart of Tear, because it was one of the most satisfying encounters that I've ever had with this level of like combat and stakes in any role-playing game that I've ever played. I'm overjoyed with how it turned out. This is fantastic. Just stay tuned. So, podcast is going really, really well. I need you to please go and leave a review. As of now, we have no reviews. The first review we get, I'm going to read it out right here, right at the end of this episode. You're going to get credited, all of it. I want more people to find this show. And you leaving reviews will help do that in, in such, such a marked way. I know every podcast asks you to do this, and I know that the way that podcasts get exposure and generate inf interest is just like uh it, it sucks it's a capitalist telescope that we live in but it's where we are and it's what i unfortunately need you to need to ask you to do so please head on out 
do that, help more people find this show, help more people learn about this system, and stay tuned because if you are new to this and you missed the Kickstarter, the backer kit for this is going to be opening up probably within the next few weeks, maybe just after the new year, and you will be able to get your hands on all the stuff that the backers of the Kickstarter were able to. So really excited for you to see where this is going. Thank you, as always, for listening, and we'll see you next week. If you like this show, you should check out more of the other shows on the One Shot Podcast Network. Shows like A Horror Borealis. A Horror Borealis is an actual play, Monster of the Week podcast, set in the 1990s in the fictional town of Revenant, Alaska, just south of the nation's least visited national park and way north of anything else. A reclusive small game hunter with a magical secret, a young anarchist librarian with a passion for conspiracy theory, and a sensible park ranger, that's right, BB, with a strong local book club following, find themselves pulled together by common threads woven mysteriously into their past when monsters begin plaguing their tiny community. But they soon discover the things they're fighting run much deeper and much closer to home. Tune in for a story about identity, empathy, community, mental illness, and healing. And stay for the beloved local diner. Hey, even my kid likes it. You heard her sounding off.